Once again, we want to thank everyone for joining us today. This is actually the conclusion of our theme for the month, which was Christ-centered in our lives. And if you noticed our little holiness table right here, what's in the middle of the table? The cross, Christ. If you had a chance to join us for Sunday school and you've seen our little illustration with the cups about how, you know, sometimes we start off pure and clean like good water, but then stuff comes in and it dirties us because we've allowed ourselves to become distracted. But when we center ourselves in the Christ, that's when he comes and fills us. And what was impure is now pure and clean again. Because he gives us that opportunity. But it's an opportunity. It's a decision. Let's be honest with each other now. This is a judgment-free zone. I said that earlier. So nobody's going to judge you because everybody actually is guilty of this. How many of you have ever made a bad decision? <laughs> I mean, sometimes... As you are doing, you know it's a bad idea. Right? Who's with me on that? The moment it starts to happen, the moment that you've already put it in motion, it is too late to take it back. You go, oh, shouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that toothpaste illustration we had last week where we squeezed all that toothpaste out. And we gave them, what, 10 seconds to squeeze it out, but then we tried to give them 30 seconds to put it back in, and they still couldn't? Decisions are like that. We have decisions. We get up every morning, and we have to decide. Well, first of all, when we get up in the morning, if you're like me, you decide when you get up. How many more times are you going to hit that snooze button? Who is with me? I'll be honest. This is time for a little transparency. I have three alarms set on my phone. And I also have that pre-snooze thing where it wakes you up gently because it comes on five minutes beforehand. So my first alarm is set for 7 o'clock, and it has that pre-awake thing where at five minutes till 7, it starts that lovely soft music before the alarm goes off to prepare you to wake up. And then I snooze that till the alarm finally turns off. <laughs> and then I have another one at about 7.30 which I also snooze until it turns off. <laughs> some mornings, some mornings not, but some mornings I'm, keep, I'm snoozing. I, most of the mornings, it's my third alarm, the one that goes off at 8.15 that finally gets me out of bed because I'm finally like, you know what? I should probably get up. I've got stuff to do. Although yesterday morning, I was really enjoying it, and I actually sat there and snoozed through that one too. <laughs> we decide stuff all the time, don't we? I decided not to get up. <laughs> we decide what to wear. Granted, my choice is a little easier than some people because every morning on Sunday morning when I get up, I go, ooh, I'm going to wear this. And my uniform, I already know what I'm wearing. I'd be like, oops, I'm going to wear this white shirt every morning. I'm going to wear this lovely tunic and this lovely skirt and these lovely pantyhose and these shoes. So my decision of what I wear is... Not as crazy as some people's, but if you have to go to school every morning, sometimes you have a uniform. You got to decide, you wear the shorts today 
or the pants or the score. You know, we have decisions in life. My other favorite thing, we have to decide what we will eat and drink. Normally, my decision every morning is coffee. <laughs> it's my decision for every morning, coffee. Sometimes it's my decision for multiple times during the day, coffee, caffeine. What we will eat is also one of my favorite things. I love to eat, and sometimes, especially we have someone who said they were diabetic, you've got to watch what you eat, don't you? You've got to be very careful about the decisions you make when you're eating. Yeah. It's like when we're on a diet or something, you've got to be careful what you eat. You've got to watch what you eat. We make decisions on stuff like that. We decide what we watch on TV. And watching stuff on TV now is a little bit more complicated than it used to be because now you have a DVR. So now you decide what you want to watch right now and what you want to watch later. And sometimes you have to decide when later you're going to watch that because I'll be going through my DVR and I'll be looking and i got stuff to watch. But I go, you know what? I don't feel like watching that show right now. I'm going to watch this other show. And so sometimes stuff sits in my DVR until it's time for it to go. And I go, you know what? I really got to watch some of this stuff because there ain't no more room. And then how about this one? Because this is a decision that a lot of people made this morning right after breakfast. We decide if we will go to church. Yep, mm-hmm. We love for everyone to join us, especially after that lovely breakfast that we do, but some people decide that, you know what, I'd rather go lay down. Well, you know what, I'd rather go lay down too. <laughs> I'm just going to start laying down on the bed. This microphone would work. I'm just going to go back into, that, into the room and lay down, and I can still talk laying down. <laughs> so, and sometimes we have to make crucial decisions. You know, because what we eat, what we wear, what we watch, they may not be really big decisions, but sometimes we have to make crucial decisions. Where are we going to live? How are we going to make money? What are we going to do? So we have decisions that are simple, is whether or not we're going to wear socks or sandals, or socks with sandals, but don't do that. That is actually a very bad decision. <laughs> you got to keep your feet warm somehow. I get you. You're here. This is a judgment-free zone. This is the only place you can get away with socks with sandals. Oh, yes. You put the fanny pack in there. That's a whole different thing. This is a judgment-free zone. This is the only place you can wear socks with sandals. If you wear socks with sandals at Walmart, you might end up on the Internet. <laughs> so unless your secret desire is to be an Internet sensation, <laughs> that's actually one of my secret desires. No, I'm joking. So we make decisions all the time. We make decisions whether or not we get up, whether we sleep. Decisions from... Uh, it's not really a huge decision. We make them subconsciously. To decisions where they may be even a matter of life and death, they're crucial to our very living. And major decisions, those crucial decisions, can affect us for many years or even for the rest of our lives. Now, we started off this month with Easter. 
And we said it was about centering Christ in our lives and making sure he's the center of everything that we do. We even, you guys remember that old slogan, WWJD? What would it mean? What would Jesus do, right? It became so popular and a brand, so sloganized, if you will. I just made that word up. It was my decision. So sloganized that we lost sight of what it was. Now, WWJD meant what would Jesus do? Jesus, J. J is Jesus. What would Jesus do? But it became so popular, everybody was wearing those bracelets, everybody had those bumper stippers. How many people actually do you think stop to think, though? What would Jesus do in this situation? You know, we sang that chorus, to be like Jesus. We want to make that something we do. We want to make it our, our aim, our creed, what we live for, Christ-centered in our lives. But we're going to look at a time, we're going to go back to right around the Easter story in the Bible. We're going to look at a time where maybe people needed to be reminded. And as we read some of these stories, I want you to pay attention. Maybe you're going to see yourself in them. So look at Matthew. Matthew chapter 27. We said that this challenge for the month, the goal of the month was to look at what Christ-centered lives mean, what it means when we have Christ-centered so the question I want you to think about yourself, to ask yourself as we're reading the scripture, to ponder on, Matthew 27 is what would you do with Jesus? Matthew 27, what would you do with Jesus? Are you putting him at the center of your life? Do you ask yourself? That's what that whole slogan was about, what would Jesus do? It was about putting him center and having him guide your steps. But instead of asking, what would Jesus do this morning, we're going to ask, what would you do with Jesus? Are you placing him center? Or are you pushing him off to the side? And we're going to see some people way back from that, <laughs> around the Easter story. In fact, we're looking at right before the crucifixion, Matthew 27. And we're going to start by looking at verse 11. And it says this. Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you king of the Jews? Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. When he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. Well, then Pilate asked, don't you hear the testimony they are bringing against you? 
But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. Now it was the governor's custom at a feast to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. At that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who you call Christ, or who is called the Christ? <laughs> For he had known that it was out of envy that they had even handed Jesus over to him. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him a message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man. For I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want to be released to you? Asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. In verse 22, Pilate says this. What shall I do then? with Jesus, who is called the Christ. What shall I do with Jesus, who is called the Christ? And do you know what that crowd said? Crucify him. Now, when we first started this series, we looked back and we talked about how this is the crowd that on Palm Sunday were shouting, Hosanna, save me. Praise to God, our Messiah, our Deliverer, waving palm branches as his arrival. This was a crowd that started a party because he was there. That was Sunday. And sometimes we're like that. On Sunday, we are all excited about Jesus. All is right with our life. God has given us everything we need. And all is good, right? On Sunday, we are God is good. But how many of us find ourselves in that boat that come, come that Thursday? We seem to forget what he has done and who he is. And how he has already blessed us because we've lost focus and we haven't kept him centered in our lives. We've pushed him to the side and because we have pushed him to the side in our peripheral, we aren't seeing him. He is still there working. He is still there blessing us. But we've become so distracted we don't even notice. That's the goal. Our goal is to not do that, to keep Jesus centered, to keep our eyes on Jesus. Yeah. Jesus said, Pilate said, what shall I do then with Jesus? Every decision we make in our lives, this is the most important one we will ever ask. It's more important than who you will marry, where you will work, or what you will do with your money. What will you do with Jesus? Where will you place him? Will you put him center in your lives? 
Now, Peter, we're going to look at Peter. He was one of the closest disciples to Jesus, right? Jesus would later go on to ask him, do you love me? And Peter would say, yes. And he was given the charge to feed his sheep. He was called the cornerstone in which Christ would build the church. But he had his moments just like we have our moments. He had the moments where he stopped focusing on Christ. He lost focus. He didn't put him center. And he got pushed to the side. He was part of the inner circle. Peter knew who Jesus was. Out of anybody, the crowd that crawled for him to be crucified, they hadn't followed Jesus. They had seen some of the miracles perhaps that he had done, but they had not been there for the three years that Jesus was doing ministry like Peter had. When Jesus would pose the question, who do you say I am? Peter's the one who replied that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. But at the Last Supper, Jesus looked at Peter and said, you know, before this night is over, you're going to deny me. before this comes to be. And Peter said, no, not me. I love you, Jesus. I keep you centered in my life where you're supposed to be. I focus on you. Nobody is ever going to distract me from you. I know who you are, and I know what you've done, and I'm going to praise you and glorify you. And I'm going to remember all the time that you are good, right? We get that like that too, don't we? When we have our mountaintop experiences, all is right with the world. But then after Jesus got arrested, that wasn't necessarily a mountaintop experience for Peter. He was kind of down in the valley. In verse 69 and verse 26 of Matthew, now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him. You also were Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before all of them. <laughs> I don't know who you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another girl saw him and said to the people there, hey, this fellow was with Jesus, the Nazareth. And he denied it again, saying, I do not know that man. And then, a little while later, while standing there, he went up, they went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them. Your accent gave you away. And he began to call down curses on himself and swore to them, swore to them, I do not know that man. 
Now we know that in the Bible, earlier Jesus has said, before the crowth crows three times, you will have disowned me. And right after Peter had said that, the crow had crowed, the rooster had crowed, before the rooster crows, you will disown me. And he had swapping down at that supper that, Lord, that will never happen. It ain't going to happen. I will never lose my faith. Nothing will ever shake my faith. And yet, three times, that last part, he swore up and down. He disassociated himself with Jesus. When he got around people who didn't know Jesus, who weren't Christians, who weren't believers, he adopted that same attitude. And in fact, he denied who he was. He just denied that he was a Christian. And let's be honest. Let's be honest with ourselves. We are all hunky-dory to be like Jesus. God loves me. God loves you. When we are around other believers. But when we get around people who may not necessarily believe, And they don't even have to be living wrong. It may not even be the temptation of their lifestyle getting to us. We may be younger or in school and we don't want to appear uncool. Or we may not want to talk about it because it makes our friends or our, the people we know or even our family uncomfortable. We have become a society that is so worried about being politically correct and allowing others the freedom of self-expression that we have started denying ourselves that freedom. If everyone else can express themselves however they want, why can't I talk about Jesus? Society has become so caught up in not offending anybody that, do you know who they're offending? God. And honestly, if they're offending God, they should be offending us. So, the question is, is, what would you do with Jesus? Do we fall into that pattern Peter did? We're in the presence of others. <laughs> Depending on who they are. Depends on who we are. If we're hanging out in church, then we are Christian as Christian could be. We quote the Bible. We know the books. We know the songs. We know the actions. But if we're not following through outside of church, we are putting on a show. And let me tell you, the only person impressed by that show isn't the person you probably want to impress. 
God is not impressed. He knows what is in your heart, and he knows where that is coming from. And if your heart is not right with him, then whatever you're doing, he is empty. If you go out into the world and you look like the world and act like the world and nobody knows the difference, nobody knows that you have a relationship with God, the God who created the universe. If you're not taking a stand in your daily actions, if you aren't willing to claim Christ in front of others, the Bible tells us very clearly what would happen. He says, if you aren't going to claim me in front of man, then when it comes time, basically I'm going to draw a blank as to your name in front of my father. You know, we talk about making sure that we're living a Christ-centered life, making sure that we are following his ways and walking in his path so that we can have eternal life, so that our name is written in that book. But for his name, for our name to be written in that book, his name needs to be written on our hearts. And we need to be living in a way that people see that. But do you allow yourself to become two separate people? Do you have a, when I'm at church, when I'm around believers, this is my Jesus face? This is my Jesus attitude. And then you have a separate attitude, which is not a Jesus attitude. Because you want to appear cool or politically correct. Because even if you are, here's some good news. When Jesus said, this is who I'm going to build my church on, Peter, when he asked, do you love me? And he gave him the challenge of feeding his sheep. Do you know when that happened? After. After he denied Christ. When Jesus asked him all of that, he had forgiven the fact that Peter had denied him and he took him back. And the same thing is true for us. He forgives those times that we have allowed ourselves to become two different people. When the people, the person that we are in the world is not the person that we know Jesus wants us to be. He forgives that. When he's centered in our lives, we're able to move beyond that. We looked at the scripture of Pilate when he said, what would you have me do with Jesus? His wife said, you know what? No, you have nothing to do with that innocent man. I've been troubled in my sleep, in my dreams, because he is innocent. And even the scripture person said, they knew that they had given over Jesus because they were envious. And when the devil strikes out against us, it's because he's envious of the praise and the adoration and the love that is God's. He's envious 
of God. That's what started it all. Envy. Pilate was amazed by Jesus. He saw something in Jesus he had not seen in other men. <laughs> Jesus knew, or the, Pilate knew that Jesus was the Son of God. He knew that that's what the Jews said he had claimed. And when it came down to it, Pilate refused to, to be the one involved in the crucifixion of Jesus. He made a choice. He didn't have the position or the authority to completely change everything. without far-reaching consequences. But he was able to say, you know what, if this is what you want, I'm going to have no part of it. And sometimes we have people like that. They've heard the gospel. They fit the Holy Spirit tug at their hearts. And they've seen the power of Christ changing lives. But then they see the things of the world And sometimes they're peer pressured for no matter how old you get, your peers are still pressuring you into acting a certain way. Honestly, Pilate was the governor. He could have said, you know what? Hey, forget it. Barabbas is being released. You guys don't get to vote. But he still allowed the crowd to decide, even though he knew that Jesus was innocent. He washed his hands of it. But he didn't take a big enough stand. And in a world today where we need to take stands, where we need to be willing to stand out, not just stand up, we need to ask ourselves, how far are we willing to go? And heaven help us if we're that crowd who go from praising him to four days later demanding his death. And part of that crowd, <laughs> they were probably just screaming it because everyone else was. Everyone starts shouting, Hosanna, hallelujah, amen. And sure enough, everyone's going to start saying, Hosanna, hallelujah, and amen, right? We follow the crowd. Sometimes life is like a giant game of follow the leader. And unfortunately, too many of us are not the leader. And the person we're following shouldn't be the leader either. But they seem to know what they're doing, so we're just going with the flow, right? And how many times have going with the flow ever got us in trouble? We talked about how many of us have ever made bad decisions. How many of us have ever followed somebody and found ourselves making bad decisions because somebody else did it, right? I was just doing what they did. How many times, how many of you ever had your mama says, well, if so-and-so jumped off a bridge, would you do it too? 
Mm-hmm. That's what that whole thing is about. If someone makes a bad decision, are you going to allow it? If the person next to you was shouting, crucify, crucify him, are you going to start shouting, crucify him, crucify him? But yet that's what happens, especially in today's society. With all the social media, with the television, people tell their sad stories of how God has disappointed them and failed them and let them down. And do you know why they get more coverage? Why they're getting recognized more? It's because we're being too silent. We are standing back. We're too worried about offending people to say, you know what? I'm sorry that happened to you, but Jesus did this for me. Or even, I'm sorry that happened to you. But too many times when bad things happen to people, we tend to overlook the fact that we have free will and so do other people. So we may not necessarily be the reason something happened, but somebody else's. Their actions and their bad decisions caused it to happen, not God. You may not be able to control them because that's what free will is. They get to decide what they want to do. You can't control them, but God's not controlling them either. What God can control is how that situation turns around. But you've got, you got to ask for it. That's right. You've got to ask for that situation to turn around. You've got to ask him to use it. And that's what being Christ-centered is. Is recognizing who he is and asking him. It's like the thief on the cross. They're both dying, Right? Jesus is hung up next to him. And they are both dying. And that thief goes, you know what? I better use this time before it gets by me. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Because I know where you're going and I know who you are and I know the promises you have. And I maybe got 15 minutes left on this earth here. But Lord, I know that there is something good in store for on the other side of where you're going. And so when you get there, you make sure you remember me. And so that's what we want to ask when we are centering Christ. In order for him to remember our name, we need to remember him. We need to put him center. Not be distracted by the things of the world. So the question that we've been asking, the question that we're going to take some time in prayer to answer as the song plays, is what would you do with Jesus? Where do you place him? Where do you put him? Is he centered in your life? Is he first and foremost in everything you do and then everything else around it? Like a ripple effect. It comes from everything that he is. Is he the basis for all of your decisions? more than a slogan, what would Jesus do? Are you actually asking yourselves on a daily basis? 
When you're making major decisions, do you think, what would Jesus do in this? Or what would Jesus have me do? Because if you're looking to make a decision and you're kind of torn about it, if you haven't prayed about it or asked him about what he wants you to do, then that's probably why you're so conflicted about it. Because he's just waiting for you to ask him. So we're going to play that song. We sang it earlier. One thing remains. Because I want us to think about that. As the music plays, just take this time. The altar is available for you here if you want. If you want one of us to pray with you, we'll be happy to do it. But having him centered in your lives. Whether we've never fully accepted it. Or whether, like Peter, we may have even denied it. we can still place him center if we've become distracted if the influences of the world around us has caused for us to become two different people person who loves Jesus and sings his praises in church and then the person who loves Jesus but doesn't want to really show people that Christ is important to them
Oh, gracious and heavenly Father, we come before you right now, Lord, and we thank you that your love is there for us, Lord, and just we ask that now that you help us to keep, a, keep you centered in our lives, Lord, to keep you first and foremost. To really live our lives in a way and when we think about where you would have us to go, to ponder the question, Lord, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus have me to do in my life? To ask, what would we do with Jesus in our lives? And help us, Lord, to place you, to keep you center, and to have you govern all and guide all of our steps, Lord. And we ask all these things through your beloved Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.